is Nicole Whitney, News for the Soul, life-changing talk radio from the uplifting to the unexplained. It's a great honor to have you on the show tonight. Welcome, Deepak Chopra. Thank you. Yes, this is Uri. Hi, Uri. It's Nicole Whitney calling News for the Soul. Welcome to... Next on News for the Soul, Light Body Healing with Dr. Lara. Dr. Lara is a functional medicine health coach, an advanced practice clinical pharmacist specialist, master intuitive healer and channel, and international teacher and speaker on a mission to empower you to take an active role in your healing journey to achieve holistic health mastery of the mind, body, and spirit. Dr. Lara combines energy medicine with functional medicine to facilitate healing at the root level. Call in now to speak with Dr. Lara today. 646-595-4274 646-595-4274 Please welcome Dr. Lara back to News for the Soul. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Light Body Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lara May. And today I have with me Philippa Butler. And she is a chartered physiotherapist with a wealth of experience treating musculoskeletal conditions, which are disorders affecting the bones, joints, and muscles. She has spent her career developing and refining her knowledge and skills, and she is passionate about all things movement medicine. She is a certified Pilates mat and reformer teacher, a 200-hour certified Hatha yoga instructor, and certified meditation teacher. She offers physiotherapy advice, private movement coaching, and group Pilates and yoga classes. She also runs workshops and provides ongoing support to guide you, her clients, on your journey to optimal health. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you so much for having me. So today we're going to be talking about menopause. How exciting. (laughs) That's one way of putting it. Uh, Exciting, you know, wasn't really what, uh, how I was feeling when, when my perimenopausal period was uh, at its full pelt. Uh, You know, this wasn't really an education for me. And, um, you know, I was only about 45 when my symptoms really started. Uh, You know, and I wasn't really expecting it at that point, I have to say. Uh, It was uh, gradual that things were sort of unraveling. I was not sleeping so well. Uh, Heart palpitations I was getting, and particularly in the night time. Uh, And the hot flashes that people talk about being the main symptom of menopause, actually, uh, that wasn't particularly a feature for me. But uh, what really was affecting me was memory issues and mood issues, so anxiety and uh, and low mood as well. So, uh, you know, it was a whole host of things that I hadn't really put together, that puzzle that, that was menopause. And uh, and so over a period of time, gradually feeling, you know, a little more and more depleted as each day passed, uh, mainly through lack of sleep, I did resort to going to visit my doctor, who in the wisdom decided that uh, antidepressants was the order of the day. And to be perfectly honest, I was very reluctant to, to go down that route. Uh, and so I kind of set about 
educating myself to discover all the different kinds of things I could do to help myself uh, to combat all the symptoms that I was struggling with. And uh, you know what? It turns out that movement is one of those things that really can help just about every symptom of menopause. And so I already have those skills at my disposal. And so I just set about uh, using those skills to, to combat the symptoms that I was having. Um, I found that there were so many things I could do that you know, didn't require me to pop a pill uh, and, and to feel better. And, and so this is the stuff that I love to talk about to share with people, you know, so that they know they're not on their own. This is something that happens to lots and lots of women. Uh, the perimenopausal journey, uh, all women are going to go through menopause at some point. And, uh, and some of us, it's sooner rather than later. And uh, I don't know what your experience is, if you've got any of your own experiences to share. Not yet. I definitely have my own experiences of hormone imbalance, uh, which I think also, too, even before we get to the perimenopause phase, women in general are taught from a very young age before we're really even fully women, you know, uh, manipulate your cycle with hormone replacement. And we call that birth control, but really it's hormone replacement. And all the damage that does that does to our system so early on, and we're so unaware of it. And so I'm unfortunately not surprised that the, you know, traditional medicine approach was to here have an antidepressant, which, you know, affects the neurotransmitters in your body, but it really does nothing for the hormone hormonal fluctuations that are happening throughout perimenopause and menopause. So Yes, um, I'm so glad that you've brought this subject forward because I don't think it gets enough airtime and and light and the light shown on it um, at all. So thank you for so much. So um, what you gave your um, cascade of symptoms personally? Are there any more besides like the classic hot flashes that um, that people might not think of? Um. I mean, there are, there are lots. There's a list that stands around 34 symptoms, and, and I think that list is growing every day. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the starting from the top down, we can get dry hair. Uh, we can have dental uh, gum issues. We can have, oh. yeah, yeah, you can have... Um, uh, issues with breath, uh, you know, sort of smelly breath, uh, issues around uh, or oral health, you know, mm -hmm. like, I guess, I guess that comes down to the fact that we're sort of dehydrating. Um, and then body odor, skin, dry skin. I remember that was something I did have, you know, my skin was so dry and parched and, um, and itchy sort of Skin as well. Uh, body odor can change your um, your odor. The, you know, just your own aromas. They can change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I guess moving down, breath soreness. That can be something. You know, and I I think a lot of women have that at periods through their lives. 
you know, it might be that you're cyclically, you experience breast tenderness as part of that. But for certainly around perimenopause, for me, that was exaggerated. I, I think, you know, a lot of the hormonal symptoms you might have had in the past just seemed mm-hmm. a, a lot more exaggerated. Um, and then you can move down a little bit further below the bikini line. Uh, vaginal dryness is a symptom associated with menopause. And also we can have urinary symptoms also. And uh, and I think that sort of uh, speaks to the change in, in changes in the collagen, the tissues being less sort of elastic and stretchy, so that you might be experiencing stress incontinence or urgency of urine. Uh, and for some women, digestive issues is something that they're really struggling with, bloating, uh, discomfort. Uh, around the digestion and uh, and so for me another symptom is aching joints and and uh, sore muscles I remember you know I've always been an exerciser it's something I've always done but uh, the soreness that you get in your muscles after exercise they called it DOMS or delayed onset muscle soreness and my DOMS was through the roof Stuff that I used to do without getting uh, muscle soreness. And mm-hmm. I was thinking and thinking, what on earth is going on? So, you know, the list is almost endless. And um, I, I heard that for one person, the symptom that, that first presented itself was dizziness and fainting. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. we knew that, that, that these things could be associated with menopause. So I think for me, it's around... Uh, putting a, a sort of puzzle together if there are symptoms that are not your usual experience of life something that turns up out of the blue and you can't think why that might be happening if there's more than one thing and it starts to sort of fall into place like the pieces of a puzzle mm-hmm. uh, then I think that can guide us to appreciate that this might just be hormone related Yes. So I also just want to plug in here that so many of the symptoms that you just listed are really um, did by our estrogen levels. And as we get, especially going into um, perimenopause and menopause, those estrogen levels drop. And so I think it's super valuable to be able to know your levels and so I'm just going to, you know, here encourage people. Sorry, that's my dog barking in the background. <laughs> Through her bark collar. <laughs> um, it's, you know, <clears throat> seek out a practitioner that will help you map out your your levels through your cycle. Maybe, you know, before you, um, when the symptoms first start, when you first notice those little changes, that like you said, aren't normal or part of your normal daily experience, just start to get curious and and seek out a practitioner that will help you determine at least where your closest baseline is, like where you are now. So going forward, if things get more severe or change, then if you need to retest and you have a reference point, <clears throat> And yeah. then hopefully, too, that practitioner can help you 
with the balance of those hormones that has nothing to do with an antidepressant. <laughs> well, yeah, this is, this is uh, important to consider, isn't it? You know, I, I always say to people, if they're thinking of uh, wondering about having an x-ray, having something to compare it with is always really useful. Uh, did you have one 10 years ago that you could compare it with? Uh, and and so if you haven't, it's just a sort of stab in the dark sometimes when we're looking at test results in isolation. I think the thing is certainly in the United Kingdom that we're not tested as a matter of course. And in actual fact, if uh, a, a diagnosis of menopause would be come to really as a as a result of the symptom picture that you're presenting with, and so there there isn't a whole uh, drive to test those hormone levels. Um, but I, I do agree that to have a baseline and to understand how the hormone levels that you have correlate with the symptom picture that you present would indeed be a valuable thing to do. I suppose um, the thing, of course, to know is that they're going to fluctuate, aren't they? And so that's the difficulty. Um, I am aware of a study that was done in the United Kingdom on a, a population of sports women. And so athletes get a lot of attention when it comes to, uh, you know, performance enhancing, you know, uh, or at least certainly anything that's going to impede the performance. And so women athletes are depleting their estrogen levels because of these high levels of activity. And so this particular study was monitoring their hormone levels, female hormones, through salivary testing, so salivary uh, testing. And they were doing it every day in order to create that baseline reading. And then over a long period of time, uh, they were tested on a daily basis. Now, those tests are very expensive. <laughs> You know, if, if you are going to go down that route of testing, but these are the lengths that they go to with athletes, say, for instance. Now, you know, why can we not be treated like athletes? Like athletes? I'd love to think that, you know, my health right. is just as important as, as a female athlete, you know, because we have to perform every day in our lives. We have to show up for our kids, for our families, you know. We've got a lot mm -hmm. of Abilities on our shoulders and and work you know women are making such a contribution in the workplace that is it's women are giving up work because of menopause and that shouldn't be happening you know not in this day and age right absolutely so it's I would say it's similar in the US that you know uh, there is it's out there um, and when working with an integrative or functional medicine practitioner you can go through either salivary or urinary testing. Mm -hmm. And it's a series, it's, you know, you need to keep track of your cycle. And um, it's a series of deposits, we'll say. <laughs> and, you know, then you submit them all together, and then you get back this picture. But if you ask your normal primary care or GP for hormone testing, they're most likely going to just do blood testing. They'll just do it like in that day, whenever you're in their office, you know, regardless of where you are in your cycle. So that's not really that helpful unless you have blatant deficiencies or, or overproductions. 
those types of tests are really just not that helpful at all. But that's where we are with the Western medicine, traditional medicine model. And like you said, it's an unfortunate that, you know, if you're not a professional athlete, that you have to advocate so hard to get this information. But let's move on to um, talking about movement and how this really this is sort of, you know, your your area of, of real value and expertise and all the good juiciness. So tell us, um, I don't know, where should we start with this with this approach to movement to alleviate uh, some symptoms? And is it just symptomatic alleviation or can can it really help just rebalance you in general? Well, I think that the symptom relief comes out of the fact that uh, particularly if we talk about hot flushes, there is evidence that exercise will and can uh, ease or re relieve hot flush, the symptoms of hot flushes. The question is, you know, what kinds of things should we be doing to, to get those effects? Now, what we know is that high levels of cortisol are going to steal from the, the steroid hormone pool of, of resources, if you like. And so if we are running on uh, high levels of stress, if, if we are uh, living our lives at 100 miles an hour, which most of us are, to be honest, then chances are we've got high cortisol levels. And that can also then impact on our sleep. So sleeplessness, is a symptom of menopause, uh, an insomnia that uh, what I found was I was just waking up all the time. It was disturbed sleep. And it wasn't because of anything in particular that I was waking up. I was just waking up a lot. And so uh, if we can reduce those cortisol levels, then the chances are you're going to get a better night's sleep. But that is also then going to have an impact on the female hormone production potentially, that we can support the female hormones if, we are, uh, if we're reducing those cortisol levels. So my experience of what spoke to that the most was uh, doing mindful yoga type movements and meditation practices. And so the kinds of things that will reduce those levels of cortisol, uh, we know that the likelihood is if you're pushing yourself with high intensity interval training, that that could in fact drive cortisol levels to be, to be raised. And so maybe that's not the best choice. On the other hand, uh, what I also know is that being aerobically fit can help us to cope with uh, temperature changes. So our thermoregulatory mechanisms are going to be improved if we are regularly exercising at a higher intensity. So, you know, it's a real juggling act to, to get the balance right. And in my experience, it is that we need to do all of these things. Yeah, so that you are trying, yeah. Yeah. trying to create this environment where you are physically fit, but you're also not tipping over into excess and that place of stress and, uh, and cortisol. And so in terms of other symptoms, the joint aches and pains, say, for instance, and the muscle aches, um, we know that we're more pain sensitive 
if we avoid exercise in actual fact. So, you know, there's a certain amount of exposure that is required to condition the muscles. So that performing strength training, for instance, is going to make the tissues more resilient. And in the work that I do, I'll use hand weights. Uh, I'll use body weight. I don't think there's a better thing than body weight resistance, to be perfectly honest, because, uh, you know, there's one thing you're always going to have with you, and that's your body. Uh, and then the other thing is that to be able to move and hold and support your own body weight is really important uh, from a functional perspective. So mm -hmm. body weight resistance, I, I'll do a lot of that. And then I use rubber bands. There's pretty much nothing I can't do with a rubber band. <laughs> in terms of, you know, because variety is important as well. Our, our, muscles, our muscles accommodate to the things that we do on a regular basis. So if you're doing the same things all the time, your body just almost nods off and goes to sleep and says, well, yeah, okay, whatever, because I've been there, seen it, done it. And so we've got to have that variety in the things that we do. And, you know, that's what I deliver for people. I'm the one thinking this stuff up, you know, when I'm, when maybe when I should be asleep, actually. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and so, um, you know, we've got the short-term symptoms that we can perceive in our bodies. And then, of course, there are some longer-term consequences of estrogen deficiency or, uh, or lower levels of estrogen, female hormones, is that you know the bone health is potentially uh, something that can deteriorate our uh, bone density can be uh, impacted negatively by these reducing levels and so you know keeping uh, healthy bones isn't necessarily at the top of everybody's list but for me as a as a musculoskeletal therapist it's really important i i see the consequences uh, I've seen the consequences over my years of practice, uh, you know, ladies who fall over the dog and fracture a wrist, you know, and, and maybe that's the first fracture that they'll experience. Generally, if you fall from being just standing up, uh, you shouldn't break a bone. That shouldn't happen. No, we should be able to land no. on the yeah. yeah, I mean... If you think about how strong our bones really are, yeah, <laughs> what they call a ground level fall should not be, you know, uh, so disastrous as a fracture. Yeah, exactly. And so that that should really uh, set the alarm bells ringing uh, when we go to the doctor or when we go to the emergency department to get ourselves fixed up. And at that point, maybe we should be offered some kind of bone scan, a DEXA scan to evaluate the uh, the health of our bones but invariably that is not happening and uh, and so you know you are pretty ignorant to the to the health of your bones what is going on inside you the the only thing i can say is that there does tend to be uh, an inherited tendency if you have a family member with osteoporosis then there is you have an increased risk of uh, of struggling that with that yourself so you know, it's good to, to chat with those ladies in your in your line and, and know, you know, the more we can understand and know about this stuff, 
then the better for us. The more we can do and the sooner the better. Oh, there's so much there that you said that's so valuable. So I, it's funny, I am one of those people that I, uh, I exercise wasn't the only thing, but uh, I was working a graveyard shift schedule for very uh, like eight years. And I was in denial about the damage it was doing to my body until I got to the point to where I had all these other symptoms and I did the testing and I was estrogen deficient. And then I did the cortisol testing and it's because my body was also not even really making cortisol. It was making just enough to give me a little bit of a waking blip, but then it would plummet and it was just a flat line. And so I think this is something, and you alluded to it a little bit before, that's really important for us all to be aware of is that cortisol and that whole, because uh, that's also a, what we consider a steroid hormone. Uh, so it's not just about estrogen and a testosterone. There's a whole cascade. And when we have, they call it the three-legged stool. And when you have one leg that's maybe not functioning at its best or optimal, the other two will support it until it gets to the point to where your your system is so stressed and so exhausted that the other legs start to fail and then, you know, the stool falls over. So, <laughs> but, and so when you're in a situation like this, you're exactly right. As fabulous as HIT training is, and it's very efficient, it can be very stressful on the body, on your adrenals, pumping out that extra cortisol in those intervals in that short amount of time. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so maybe some, you know, more gentle aerobic exercises, walking, jogging, hiking, certain types of yoga for sure, absolutely. Just again, as a balancer, to challenge yourself enough, but not stress, not stressing your body out even more, then you might not even realize that you are like myself. I'm a lifelong athlete, a former collegiate athlete. So I'm very used to pushing myself. And I think that was actually part of my <laughs> my demise, so to speak, was that I was so used to pushing myself. I wasn't really paying attention to all the other things that were going on. And so that also brings me to the weightlifting. And this is so, so, so important. And it's especially, I don't care how old you are as a female, weightlifting or weight, what they call weight bearing exercise. And that can be your body weight. Absolutely is the most crucial thing you can do for your own bone density. Uh, it does more for you than taking calcium and vitamin D and those things are important, but Really, our bones, um, they go through this cycle that we call resorption, and that's how they uh, build their own strength. And they actually need that friction and that challenge to keep regenerating. And like you said, when you stop doing things, then your body stops responding. Like the old saying of use it or lose it really is true unfortunately <laughs> and so you don't necessarily need to keep going balls to the wall like I was trying to do acting like I was my you know 18 to 20 year old athletic self at 40 <laughs> but you know still challenge yourself but just start to be aware and for all of you beautiful women out there that are afraid that you're going to quote get bulky if you lift weights that's absolutely not true. If you want to get bulky, you can. But let's look at the men, all the beautiful men out there that pump themselves full of 
hormones and protein in an effort to get bulky and some of them never do and they're lifting weights like crazy so like think about it that way <laughs> like if you just do some gentle weightlifting or body weights you know push-ups squats lunges different sorts of things that will provide that friction to your bones and muscles that's just enough to keep those cells regenerating and your bone density sustained because like you said as it's the long-term estrogen depletion that uh, is so um, pivotal in this. It's, uh, it's very, and I, and, you know, so we have, and if we want to talk a little bit about hormone replacement therapy at this stage of the game, there's plenty of studies out there that show that using, you know, the um, synthetic conjugated estrogens are actually really detrimental to us. But there is an opportunity for intelligent, meaning like it's based on your results. So it's, it's personalized and there's bioidentical formulations, meaning that your body sees it as a natural source, not a foreign source and can help you along not only through the transition, but maintaining a balance too, because you know, another thing from estrogen deficiency is an increased risk of breast cancer. So there's a lot of Im implications from estrogen deficiency that, again, like we, I don't think it's talked about enough as the complex picture that we are as women and that our hormones contribute to us. I think we, a lot of times we see them as adversaries, but really <laughs> they're here to help us be, you know, vibrant and energetic and beautiful and feel good and all of those things. And so, um, and the, then the very last thing I want to <laughs> get to is how important it is to be able to lift your own weight off the floor, especially as we get older. And I have seen this so many times working in the hospital, but even in family members as they get older, they fall down and they literally cannot lift themselves off the floor. And it's, it's very scary to me uh, when I see that, you know, in my family, but then also like with, with patients that come into the hospital, just that concept of they have so little strength in their own muscles that they like they're on the ground and they cannot get themselves back up. That to me has been one of the most, um, like changing things about my motivation for my exercise as I've, as I've gotten older is to make it more functional. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can do things also like put some weight in a backpack and go for a walk. You know, that can is also considered weight bearing. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're on the same page because, uh, you know, I, I worked in hospitals for a lot of my career and uh, working on the elderly wards, filled with women who were frail and, uh, you know, had difficulty, like you say, moving, even just moving around in the bed. Um, and, and, you know, when, if, you know, you're unlucky enough to suffer that hip fracture, the rehabilitation is, is so much harder when you're not, you're not fit when you hit the ground, you know. I mean, the chances are if you are well-muscled, uh, you're, you're less likely to break when you hit the ground for the first, you know, there's always a chance we're going to slip over the banana skin or, or you know, whatever it is. 
uh, trip over this dog. Honestly, if I had a pound for everybody who trips over a dog and hurt themselves, I'd be well off. Um, so, you know, when you, if you are well muscled, you, you, you're likely to hurt yourself. And I absolutely concur that my focus has changed to strengthening and to be able to handle my own body weight. And I, I love in yoga, you know, we do planks. We do the front plank, the side plank, the, the reverse plank, uh, down dog, uh, you know, the up dog, down dog sequences, um, and leg muscle strength as well. You know, this ability to get yourself up off the ground relies on having strong legs and strong arms as well. So uh, it is a really good test, actually. Uh, there's, there's a research paper getting off the ground without uh, touching any, any bit of you, either a hand on a knee or an elbow or, you know, or a forearm to the ground. So you, mm -hmm. uh, there's a research paper and you can score yourself. If you, if you look it up online, uh, I've forgotten the name of the author of this paper, but I can hand that over if needed. Um, and so, you, you know, the, if you can get up without touching any bits of you, then you've got a full, full you know, score. Uh, and every time you have to touch a hand on the ground, an elbow, you know, whatever it is, you lose a point. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's interesting when you put yourself down there because, you know, that's the thing people stop doing. They, they stop getting on the ground. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, your world starts to shrink because you are avoiding doing things uh, like getting, like lying on the ground, doing a jigsaw puzzle with the grandkids on the ground. Uh, you, you want to be able to do those things. And, and so practice really is, is useful. Uh, and, and, you know, and then the strengthening program that goes along with that so that you can then retest yourself and look how, how well you've come on and things have improved. So uh, I absolutely include functional type movements in every session that I teach because uh, that is for me the bottom line, that we want to go about our lives uh, and keep doing all the things that have, that have filled our lives with joy uh, and not to have to shrink, for our world to be shrinking, uh, certainly not prematurely anyway. So, uh, right. so, yeah, and for me, you know, the thing with menopause, women start to experience weight gain around the middle and, and then they start to do restrictive eating plans. Uh, and actually, if we're not careful, we're going to be stealing from that lean body mass. So, mm -hmm. you know, nutritional management, nutritional approaches are really important to preserve the muscle mass. And, uh, and actually, I think, I'm sure this is more your field than mine, but, but we're not absorbing things as well as we once were, perhaps. And so, you know, protein, we should be maybe having even more than we used to, to, uh, to tackle this loss of lean mass. Uh, and then challenging the, the, the sarcomeres with, with strength-type training. And, you know, the, the, the thing that is, you know, this is quite popular at the moment as well. So you've got the high intensity and you've got people lifting heavy weights. And then the next thing you know, they're on the physiotherapy couch because they've hurt themselves. And so, you know, it's all good stuff. 
but really when you've not been an athlete for the whole of your life and you've maybe had a number of years when you've moved away from regular movement, life got in the way, whatever reason, then I think it is really important that you have a guide, somebody who, who knows your body better than you do even, uh, to sh because there is a wrong way of doing this stuff. And, and so our tissues are more vulnerable to injury we're more likely to get tendinopathies when we're, uh, when we're in perimenopause, menopause, tennis elbow, plantar fasciitis. How many middle-aged women, uh, midlife women, do we know who have, all of a sudden you've got plantar fasciitis out of nowhere? Where did that come from? Uh, you know, the, the, the tendons are not behaving in the same way that they always did because the collagen synthesis has changed. And so we, you know, there is a right way to go about this stuff and having a guide or, you know, some trusted uh, sources that you can uh, rely upon is really, really key when we're navigating that process. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, it absolutely makes me cringe when I see brand new newbies go straight to CrossFit. <laughs> Just like, oh my God. <laughs> Uh, it makes me like hold my breath for them. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I mean, CrossFit's amazing, but again, for for those that um, either ease themselves into it, I just don't see a lot of ease in CrossFit. <laughs> um, but I would say, and you brought up, you know, some of the things that we do in yoga, and um, you know, it's amazing how powerful a simple Surya Namaskar A and B which is the sun salutation cycles. Um, they're so simple and they're so powerful though. But even, even getting started with that, if you've never practiced yoga before, I would definitely suggest go to your, a local studio so that someone can watch you and give you feedback. And, and even at the beginning of a class, say, hey, I'm new. Can, you know, I know you have a whole class to keep an eye on that, you know, if you see me doing anything that might lead to an injury or out of alignment could hurt myself, please, you know, let me know. Because, you know, you want to set that good foundation. And then once you have that good foundation, those simple little practices you can do in your bedroom, in your living room, and, you know, like out in the park and, you know, in the forest, whatever, wherever. Um, and, you know, practicing yoga in nature is wonderful. So, oh, yeah. yeah, but you're right. Like those, it's not only the, the supporting of your body, but then the way you're encouraged to contract the different muscle groups. And I feel like it just brings a new awareness, especially even to those of us that have been, you know, exercisers or athletes our whole life. A lot of times, you know, we get used to certain things that we actually stop paying attention. It becomes more autopilot. So it's important. That's one of the reasons I love yoga too, is that it constantly brings me back to my body and brings in that awareness. But if you it is possible to injure yourself doing yoga also. So you want to be careful, mindful, and again, you know, have a guide of some, some sort. Yeah. I mean, I, I think with all, any program, it's about approaching it at the right level. Uh, and it, it is difficult 
because more often than not, you join in a studio where people have been practicing for some time. It's not often, even the beginners sort of classes are surprisingly uh, advanced, really, that, uh, you know, people, you, when you're used to doing something, you forget what it's like not to know what that feels, not to know that, you know. The knowledge that we've got, we so easily forget and assume that everybody knows this stuff. So, um, so it is really important to start at the start at the very beginning because you know this is the thing. Certainly, with the Pilates that I teach, the foundations are everything, and everything is layered on top of that. And so, if you don't have the foundations, then it's like a house with no foundations. It's it's much more likely to fall down when the going gets tough. And and technique is everything to me. Uh, I'm particularly fanatical that we do it well. Um, but it, it's not even, it, it's such a rewarding experience, you know, like you say, when you're really inhabiting your body and making those connections. And only two weeks ago, I had a gentleman, and you know what, he's been doing my classes for about four years. And, uh, you know, we've done all the things that we should, built up gradually, laid the foundations. But he said to me, you know what? For the first time, I felt that mind-muscle connection. And it isn't something that comes easy to everyone. It's not inherently uh, within our abilities. It's something that we really have to work at and want and and. Uh, you know, and I think we need that. If we can get it, it's really beneficial to make those connections. And you get so much more out of everything that you do if you are focusing on the muscle in question. Uh, we know that you'll get a more effective contraction just by thinking about a muscle. So, uh, and that's what I do love about these mindful movement type approaches. Uh, Pilates and yoga are both examples of mindful movement approaches. And, you know, sometimes people think, oh, that's not for me. I'm not flexible enough. Well, you know, then you must do it because <laughs> flexibility is, you know, is important. It's just we, we can't all be um, like a circus performer, can we? That's, that's not in our genetics, not in everybody anyway. And to be honest, yoga does tend to attract people who are inherently supple. It does. But for those of us who are stiffer, we stand to gain even more by doing it. Um, yeah. You know, so and and so don't don't discard or discount these things just because you think, oh, I've never done it before, or uh, I'm not supple enough, or uh, I'm just you know I'm uncoordinated. Because this is these are skills that you learn. It's it's not mm. necessarily something you're born with. So so and you know what? There's so much to be gained when you acquire a new skill. You know, celebrating the successes of a real sense of achievement when you you really learn something and master something and, and it adds value to your life. And then, you know, you can share it with your friends and your family members and everybody's getting healthy. Yes. And this whole concept of flexibility and suppleness, you know, it, and we can think about it this way as being, it's a proactive um, mechanism to help prevent injury if we do it the right way. And, and, 
I actually am one of those people that's super flexible. And I think I can attribute that to being, you know, a gymnast from a very young age. So, but even I've noticed, you know, if, cause I go through periods where I'll do a lot of yoga and then not, and I'll go back to maybe more, you know, kettlebell swingy type of exercises. <laughs> and then, and then I'll come back and I'm like, Ooh, you know, you can feel it. Oh, you know, I'm not, those hamstrings are not as long as they once were. And, but because I, I do some crazy outdoor things too, I have been able to literally say that if I had not been as flexible as I was when I went through a tumble, I -hmm. probably would have torn or broken something, but my body was set up to move through that uh, situation, that jarringness, the, the bending in the, the direction that I probably was not supposed to go in and not hurt myself because of all these things that I have done for myself leading up to that point. So I think it's important for people to have the openness to shift their perspective of, oh, okay, this is going to be different. It might feel weird and uncoordinated at times, but I'm doing my body such a benefit by just even trying and knowing that the more I do it, my body will actually change and adapt. And that's amazing. You know, we're, we've had, I've literally had these bodies since the day we were born, (laughs) technically even before that. And, and we, we don't even think about how much they have the potential to change. And like you said, it really just takes a thought, the thought about the muscle contracting and they have done studies. So this is not us being woo woo or, you know, or just making things up. If there are studies out there that have shown just the thought alone to a quadricep or a bicep or whatever it is, it can build greater muscle mass than the, like, I think the studies that I've heard about the most are where they take a a human and they say, think about this on your left side and then don't think about it all on your right. And then over time they measure the side, the sizes of those muscles and the ones that have had the intentional thought are the ones that have gotten bigger and stronger versus the other side. So it's real and all it takes is simple as a thought. Mm. (laughs) I mean, that is a thought, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, On the other hand, the thing that I often am uh, distressed by is the fact that, um, you know, that everybody's trying to make movement something you you can do in only five minutes every day. Uh, you know, because there there are shortcuts, but really, ultimately, you kind of get out what you put in. Um, you know, a bit like what you said about uh, no pain, no gain, or uh, you know, whatever. There, there's there is there is a minimum that you could do to notice a benefit. Um, but really diving deeper into some of this stuff will take a bit more than five minutes. And, and actually the rewards are proportionately greater if we can dedicate, uh, you know, I'd say 20 minutes is probably a minimum uh, for a, your sun salutations that you, you talked about, something that you might do for maybe 10 minutes in the morning. Um, but then that's not perhaps the only thing that you'll do in the day. You'll take a stroll outside in nature. You'll 
maybe you'll get on your bike and go to the shop. So, so hopefully, and then all this stuff is cumulative so that we can think of a jigsaw puzzle through the day of, of um, like taking medication, you know, not that I particularly want to take any, uh, but if you were going to, morning, noon, and night, you might take mm -hmm. a medication. And so you can think of your movement in that way, doses of movement that you consume at regular intervals, uh, strength training twice a week if you can manage it. Um, five days a week we're doing something cardiovascular to uh, to improve the heart and circulation. We're doing our stretchy sort of training, our uh, yoga type stretches a couple of times a week to have the most benefit. And you know if you start to think about it that way, you've got a recipe uh, that you can put together that is is giving you all the things that you need and, th and this is something that i've considered a lot you know what is that formula what is the recipe for health and wellness as with the passage of time uh, to counteract the effects of aging and we need all of those things there is no one thing that's going to do it all uh, uh, we need the intensity, we need the cardiovascular, we need the body weight training, we need all of those, the flexibility piece. And so uh, fitness in its broadest sense is about having all of those attributes, being able to do all of those things. And, uh, and so put it together in your, in your own diary, uh, a, a combination of different things. Variety is the spice of life. You know, and, and balance lately, we've been hearing a lot about balance in the media being such a predictor for a healthy older age. And, and we know that's true, but if all you can do is stand on one leg, then, I mean, you know, you've got to keep it in perspective. Balance is part of, is part of that recipe. So being able to stand on one leg for about a minute without falling over, without wobbling over and hurting yourself is a good thing to be able to do. Um, but it's, it's, you know, we don't just want to do that. There are other things that we can work on. And hopefully mm -hmm. you find something that you like, find something that floats your boat. Uh, it might be dancing to music. It could be walking in nature, you know, and if you can take your sun salutations into the garden, fantastic, do that. Um, so, so yeah, variety is definitely on my agenda. I've lately taken up outdoor swimming, uh, mm -hmm. swimming in nature, uh, absolutely loving that. Uh, and give yourself new challenges, set yourself some goals as where you're just stepping outside your comfort zone a little bit. Um, instead of your world shrinking, let's push the boundaries, nudge those boundaries. Uh, because exposure therapy is really important when we start to become fearful of, um, I experienced feeling frightened of heights all of a sudden. And I, I you never really cared that much before. And next thing you know, I'm stood on a stool thinking, ooh, you know, that's a bit uh, high up. Or, and this can mm -hmm. happen because it comes out of the blue. Um, but if we succumb and if we say, um, oh, oh well, then I guess I just won't stand on a stool anymore. Then again, you, you've got that instance where the world is shrinking around you. So, mm -hmm. so 
you know, have fun, get together with a buddy, go out in nature, uh, do all these things because we're we're grabbing life by the by the shoulders and giving it a shake. Uh, you know, really, <laughs> really. I like that. <laughs> yeah, really just be the best version of ourselves. That's all we can be. And, you know, forgive yourself if you fall off the wagon from time to time. That's, in, that's definitely going to happen to all of us where we're only human. Uh, but be encouraged and get support. Have a guide. And, uh, and if you needed me to help you, then I'm very happy to do that. And tell everyone where they would find you. Well, I'm I'm online. My website is precision with a Z dot co dot uk. P R E C I Z I'll spell it I O N dot co dot uk. And uh, I'm on all the social media platforms, but uh, uh, Philippa Butler is my name. So if you put me in there, you might find me on you'll find me on YouTube uh, under Menopause Physio on Twitter. So you can put that in. And uh, and I love to share health information with people. There's lots of free content, lots of videos on my YouTube channel uh, that you can have a little bucket and see. And you can join me online. The first online session is always a, a free group session if you wanted to join. Or just, uh, you know, feel me up and have a chat with me. If you've got any questions, I'm always happy to to help and, uh, you know, guide anybody who feels like they're just not sure where to go next. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a fun conversation and so full of information and tools and tips. So, again, um, definitely check out her website at precision.co.uk or her classes, precision.asme.asme. Yes, okay. <laughs> I feel like I was saying that wrong, but. <laughs> and I am your host, Dr. Lara May, and I can be found at drlaramay.com. And um, the links that we mentioned will be on my website on the show notes page, May forward slash podcast. And then you can find this episode there with all the links. So thank you so much, and we will see everybody in the next episode. Thank you. Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show.